0: I'm Sarah Resnick, and I'm LaShawn Moore, and we are the hosts of The Weave Podcast, a project of the weaving yarn shop, Just Yarn and Fiber. Welcome to the 77th episode of The Weave Podcast. This week, I'm talking to Natalie Novak, a tapestry weaver in Portland, Oregon, and the founder of Combed Thunder. Natalie draws from ancient and contemporary weaving techniques to explore color, mythology, folklore, and the supernatural world. I was lucky to have the opportunity to take an in-person tapestry weaving class with Natalie almost two years ago at the Weaving Kind Makery Retreat and truly loved her bold use of colors and shapes and her encouraging teaching style. I'm so happy to have you on the podcast today, Natalie. Welcome.
1: Thank you. Thanks for having me.
0: Can you start out by introducing yourself and sharing how you found your way towards textiles and towards weaving?
1: Sure. Um... I went to school for drawing and painting and that's what I'd always done for a long time and at a certain point I just realized I was checking out a lot of library books about weaving and I thought at a certain point I realized that maybe it was something that I wanted to do so I started checking out how-to books about weaving from the library And eventually that led me to Tiana Big Horses and Noel Bennett's book, um, I think it's The Navajo Weaving Way, and in the back of that book there was a listing for the Damascus Fiber Art School, which is about 20 miles from Portland where I live. And I went there and told them I wanted to learn how to weave, and they showed me how to set up a loom and it was just sort of I guess love at first pick.
0: What was it do you think about weaving that attracted you to start checking those books out of the library?
1: Um, I'm not really sure. I've always been interested in textiles. My mom and grandmothers all sewed and so when I was younger I sewed but nobody there's no history of weaving in my family and I think just, um, I don't know, just how tactile it weaving is and how tactile textiles are. And I think that I wanted something I could feel in addition to something I could see when I was making.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And you are, you do a lot of tapestry weaving. Is that what you learned from the beginning? What was the very first thing you were weaving at the Damascus School?
1: Um... They teach tapestry and then Navajo style weaving, um, or they teach weaving on a Navajo style loom. Um, so yeah, tapestry was what I was doing right from the start, and I think that appealed to me more because of the simplicity of the looms. Um, I went to the Oregon College of Art and Craft for my undergraduate. and. They have a really excellent fibers department there. I should say they had. They just closed down the spring. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was always really intimidated by all the looms there because they looked like they had so many moving parts. And it just looked like it'd be easy to, I don't know, do something wrong or break <laughs> the loom. <laughs> um, and so when I saw the, the Navajo-style looms and tapestry looms that are so much s- more simple... Um, that seemed like a good starting place for me and I guess I hadn't really thought about tapestry weaving as something a person could still do Um, just because the looms I was familiar with are the, the floor looms that are I don't know I saw lots of people making cloth but not so much tapestry and so when I realized that was something that was available it was still making pictures like what I did with drawing and painting but it was in a whole new format, so it was kind of like a combination of the two.
0: Hmm. And how long were you a student at the Domestic Fiber Art School, and what was that experience like?
1: Um, it's hard to say um, how long. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they, they aren't a school in the sense where you go and there's a class and you're taking Fibers 101 or Tapestry 101. You kind of just show up and say, I want to do this, or... I don't know what I want to do, but I think I want to weave, And they just start you on a loom. Um, and so it's really at your own pace. And there's two women that are the main teachers there. That's Audrey Moore and Terry Olson. And they've been teaching there. I think Audrey's been teaching there for like 50 years. And Terry's been teaching there since the 90s. And you just, you're always just working on your own project and there's lots of people there who are just weaving and chatting about weaving and drinking coffee and eating cookies who are you, happy to help you weave whatever it is you want to so a lot of it I feel like it's just like learning by osmosis and you know they do help you out techniques of course too
0: hmm and what kind of looms and materials are you most drawn to using now
1: um I really love working with wool. Um, I love how it feels. I like how it smells. Um, I just really like how it works with tapestry weaving. Um, I think that, I don't know, there's something just really nice relating to an animal in that way. Um, I really love the Navajo churro sheep. Um, That's just such a beautiful fiber and it wears so well and it's so soft. Um, And um, other than wool, I've started using more plant-based fibers recently in the last year or so, Um, metal and hemp and linen, um, sometimes cotton, but mostly really wool. Um, As far as looms go, I have tons and tons of tapestry frames of all different sorts, and then I have a vertical Navajo style loom, which is essentially just a really big frame, and I also have a Rio Grande walking loom um, that I really love. Uh, it's from Weaving Southwest originally, but I am the third weaver to have it. And mm. that loom I feel like I use, if it's not a tapestry frame, I'm most, most likely using my, my walking loom, uh, these days. And something I really enjoy about that loom is that you stand while weaving, um, because I feel like you spend so much time sitting while weaving. It's nice to be able to stand. It's a little easier on the body, at least for me. And, You can get really good tension on it, so even though it's not vertical like I'm used to weaving tapestry, it's still really good for weaving tapestry and things like rugs. But you can also weave cloth on it, so it's pretty versatile in that respect.
0: I love those looms. I had a chance to weave on them once. And you really feel like you're putting your whole body
1: into it when you Mm -hmm. step on the pedals. (laughs) Where did you get a chance to weave on them? Um,
0: I was in Mexico. I was taking a weaving class for a week in Teotitlan del Val. And that was the kind of looms that they were... I mean, it it sounds like the kind of looms that they're weaving, which is like standing. You stand on the pedals um, to lift the sheds. Is that what you're talking about?
1: Yep, that's exactly what I'm talking about. I haven't made it there yet, but I would love to go there and leave on that sort of limb there.
0: Yeah, yeah, it was lots of fun. Our second episode of the podcast was with um, one of the people in the family that I was studying with. Um, I highly recommend their family if you ever go visit to check them out.
1: Well, I'll get those details from you later. I guess you can just look (laughs) it up on the podcast.
0: Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) I could send it to you. So I'm so curious, you incorporate a lot of images of hands into your work, and curved lines, and circles, and really bold colors with those, and I want to know why you're drawn to those motifs, and uh, why you're working with them.
1: I guess, I guess that, um, I mean, for me, the hands, because I do a lot of hands, and I do a lot of eyes, I mean, that's sort of just how being a person, you can relate to art and create art. It's and it's I mean specifically with weaving the hands. Um so it's really just about taking everything that's out there in the universe and then making it in a physical form and I do that with hands and eyes. And they're also I mean they're just really a universal symbol. So I feel like anyone anywhere can see that and relate to it. Whether or not they're getting the message that I'm thinking about, um, it's still, you know, hands and eyes. They're Mm -hmm. all over the place. Um, And circles are sort of the same way. It's a circle is a symbol, and I don't know, curved lines are really fun just to weave, um, breaking out of the grid that really dictates weaving and trying to sort of make the impossible possible. Weaving. If you always feel like weaving a perfect circle is an impossibility with weaving, because you really have to have infinite warps and infinite lefts, and that doesn't exist on our plane of reality. So, I don't know. It's still fun to try and make it, make that concept, and make those shapes. Yeah. Even though the the perfect ideal is impossible. Um, oh, that's
0: beautiful. I love
1: that. Thank you. Um, I guess old colors, I don't know. know—they're just. I'm just really drawn to them. Um, I wear a lot of black. I do have some very brightly colored clothing as well, but um, I just think they're so, I don't know, they're so beautiful to me, and I love, I could sit and play with color all day long. Um, I think I said it before in other places, but I could probably ha- be happy if I just made color samples for the rest of my life and hmm. <laughs> <laughs> never made, like, a real project again and just tried different color combinations. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's always, you know, an excuse to get new yarn.
0: It sure is, yeah. <laughs> do you do your own dyeing or do you find yarn that's already dyed? Or?
1: Um, I don't do much of my own Dying, Um, I do like to dye and occasionally I will dye. Uh, I'm not very well set up for it at home, but if I know a friend's dying, I always try and hop on and run over with some, some yarn. Um, but mostly I get, get pre-dyed yarn and there's so many colors out there to choose from already. Um, when I do, yes, yes so many, um, When I do natural dyeing, when I do dye at home, it is always natural dyeing, and it is really fun to see just all the different variations, but part of me feels the same way about dyeing as I do about spinning, is that I really love it, and I enjoy doing it, but what I really enjoy doing is weaving, and weaving already takes up so much time that adding spinning and dyeing into the mix, um not yep. where my heart is totally at
0: <laughs> yeah totally get it yeah you have a series of weavings that you do or did on bones and on antlers and it looks like from the photos that you use the actual you use the antlers as the actual loom i'm not sure if that's true but i'm curious how you decided to work with these materials and what that process is like
1: um you're right i did use the the antlers as the loom and um I am definitely a collector of things. Mostly, I was about to say mostly things that I find on the ground, but that's not true. I collect all sorts of shashkis and stuff too. Um, But I do (laughs) collect a lot of things off the ground, and um, just looking at them, you know, like the like the kids weaving project where they have them weave on a forked stick. I think just seeing the antlers in my house and in my studio every day at a certain point. I was like, oh, I could leave on that. It would just be like weaving on a little stick. So I started doing that and it's been really satisfying. Um, and it's definitely a challenge. The bones are, at least the antlers, are pretty slick. Um, and trying to keep the, the warp in place and tensioned is a bit of a, bit of a trick. But... I think, really, it was just having an abundance of materials to work on. I still have a lot of other bones that I'm slowly working on incorporating into making those into looms, too. Hmm. And uh, I think a little, a little part of it was I wanted to eat my own, my own words, because um, people, I'm always telling people, like, oh, you can leave on anything, you don't need it to be fancy, you know, you can leave on a picture frame, you could leave on the legs of a chair... Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera, and so I thought I should see if I really could weave on anything. Um, and I definitely have some other bones. I have a rib cage right now that I'm working on turning into mm. a loom.
0: What are you going to make on it?
1: Um, I'm not sure yet. I'm still working on warping it and keeping the whole thing together without uh, damaging the the actual skeletal structure. Hmm.
0: Are there any other non-bone-related, unusual looms that you've been working with?
1: Um, I don't know if unusual. I have been dabbling in backstrap weaving in the last couple of years. Hmm. And so I think that's more unusual here. But the more I look into it, there's just all sorts of backstrap weaving all over the world. Um, mm-hmm. And so I've been just experimenting making backstrap looms for weaving tapestry and that's been really fun and it's been a big learning curve for me at least who's used to having, having structure and then I feel like the backstrap loom is um, using your body as the tensioning device is a whole, whole different world but I'm really enjoying it
0: Do you find that the kinds of things that you weave on a backstrap loom like you're drawn to different sorts of things because it's a different way of using your body while weaving?
1: Um no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm still I'm still leaving lots of hands and eyes and rainbows yeah. and curves. Um but now I can do it tied to a tree outside.
0: Yeah. Can you tell me about your recent exhibition Infinite Body at Woodshop Woodshop in Portland?
1: Sure. Um, I mean I think a lot of that is in the whole whole hands and eyes symbology, uh, realm. And there was obviously a lot of hands and eyes and rainbows in there. Um, there was also some snakes and I think that I, uh, at least for me, the snake is sort of a, I don't know, it has a lot of fiery energy to it and it has, It has a little bit of I mean I guess for a lot of people there's a lot of fear surrounding it and it was just another way to explore a symbol about creativity but also um using using the unknown and like using ideas around fear and the other as uh an ally. Um and using that to advantage and embracing that as opposed to pushing it away and just leaving it over in some dark corner. Mm. And turning the turning the snakes into circles um, and using hands to support snakes. I don't know. I think I make up a lot of symbols and they keep on having new meaning for me, so... And that's not always a apparent when I get an idea what it's all about. But as I was weaving a lot of those pieces, it, it became more and more clear. It's like, oh, this is all right. We can go We can go to these places. They don't have to be forbidden.
0: Yeah. Do you find yourself still doing a lot of drawing also? And are you working with similar ideas in other mediums?
1: Um, I haven't been doing as much drawing I started weaving. I, I use cartoons a lot for my tapestry if it's anything more complicated than pretty simple geometry. Um, definitely always for curves. I do still do a lot of drawing for cartoons, but I haven't been drawing as much otherwise, and that's something I miss. I would like to draw and paint a little more than I do right now. I think I get so excited about weaving something that. I'm always doing that
0: yeah yeah I'm curious if working as an artist and a weaver is providing the bulk of your income and if so what was your process to working towards that
1: um, it is providing the bulk of my income although there's not necessarily a lot of that. Um, <laughs> I, still, I still work service industry jobs from time to time, which is what I have been doing pretty much my entire adult life other than art. Um, but I feel like the balance is tipping. Um, it used to be most of my income was waitressing and working in restaurants, and a little bit of my income was coming from weaving and art and it's it's like a seesaw and the, the in art is slowly getting higher um, which is you know the ultimate goal <laughs> to have it provide provide plenty um, and so i guess the whole process of that is just slow and continuing to work on it and continuing to get better about being smarter about it, I guess would be a good way to say, seeing what's really fulfilling and what's really actually um, providing financial support to me as opposed to, I don't know, all the other stuff, <laughs> if that do you makes find sense.
0: Th- do you find that those align, like that what's fulfilling is what can provide for financial support, or is it harder to get those to align?
1: Um, it goes back and forth. But mostly, I think it really, I think it does come through when it is something that I really love and is really fulfilling that shows in just some quality of the work that I'm doing. And then, of course, teaching is part of what I do that I count into my fiber arts income. And I've really grown to love that over the last several years. Um, Just seeing how excited people get when they realize that weaving is something they can do and sort of reliving vicariously that moment when I was like oh my goodness weaving is what I was meant to do on this earth or at least what I want to do on this earth <laughs> and sort of feeling that spark of excitement whether it's about weaving or just being creative um, I think for some people that are in my class just realizing that they can be creative and that's not off limits to them is pretty exciting part of it Mm -hmm. and that's a really good place for me to be as a teacher um the first couple years that I was teaching every class I wanted to throw up at the beginning because I was so nervous and um just because it was such new territory for me
0: yeah I took a class from you a year and a half ago or so at the Weaving Kind Makery and really Mm -hmm. loved learning from you there. Tell me more about your teaching and how people can learn from you.
1: Um, I only do in-person classes at this time. Um, I always toy with the idea of doing some sort of online class, but I'm not ready to take that technological leap yet. But I teach at home in Portland and... I travel a little bit on the west coast um, to teach classes just in the Pacific Northwest area Um, and I I don't know what else to say about it. Um, (laughs) I try to teach pretty regularly, um, a class every month or two, Um, sometimes I have a bunch, Uh, I work with a few different people and groups in town and out of town and I But I would say the most of my classes are just um, classes I offer on my own. And if anyone wants to know about when and where that's happening, I I always put it up on my website, and I have a very infrequent newsletter that goes out to announce classes more. Uh,
0: Great. And I'll link to your website uh, in the show notes so people can see that. Excellent. Um, Thank you. What's what's on the horizon for you in the future? What kind of projects, weaving or other art related are you excited about?
1: Um, I have I have some classes coming up in the fall that I'm excited to teach. Um and right now I'm really doing a lot of playing around in the studio. I'm playing with colors and symbols and same old, same old, I guess we could say. <laughs> um, but maybe same new, same new. Um, hmm. And yeah, like I was talking about earlier, I have a bunch of bones that I'm trying to figure out how to turn into looms and playing with new materials and seeing what I can do with old materials and use them in different ways than I have them.
0: That's great so where can people go on social media and on the internet to learn more about you and about your work
1: they can go to my website which is combed thunder c-o-m-b-e-d thunder.com and that is also my instagram handle um and i think that's it i'm just on instagram and have a website i don't great don't go beyond
0: (laughs) all right and we'll also link to those in the show notes and i'm wondering if you before we part have any closing advice or words of wisdom for weavers out there
1: i think that to just keep doing to do what you do as often as possible um i learned so much just by weaving all the time and just continuing to plug away at it um You know, inspiration often comes as just a big idea or something that showed up in a dream, but a lot of times it just comes from keeping, continuing to do the work, to really have your hands in it all the time. Um, And so, yeah, spend as much time working and making as you possibly can, because I'm sure good things will come from it.
0: Thank you so much, Natalie, for taking the time to talk and share your stories on the podcast today. I really appreciate
1: it. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on.
0: That's a wrap. To see photos of Natalie's work and links to her website and social media, visit our show notes at www.gistyarn.com slash episode hyphen 77. That's G-I-S-T y-a-r-n dot com slash episode 77. Next week on the podcast, LaShawn is speaking with Aviva Lee, an experienced natural dyer and weaver of contemporary woven and stitched textiles living in Alsham, a Citislaw town in Norfolk, England. So stay tuned for that episode next week. And until next time, happy.